Praise God and welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Before we get into the word, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just praise your most magnificent name, Father God, and just want to thank you for being able to get together freely to be able to hear your words today. Lord God, I ask that these words that come forward, let these be your words and let them touch the hearts, spirits, and minds of everyone that hears them, Lord God. Prepare our hearts and our minds and our spirits to receive your words today, Lord, so that they may get sunken deep within our spirit and come bubbling up whenever it is that we need them. Have your way with this message, Lord God, for your glory, for your honor, and for your praise. These things I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Well, praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministry. So glad uh, to have you here to be able to partake in God's word today. Uh, if you're listening to this and you don't have your Bible, or if you're watching this and you don't have your Bible, why don't you go ahead and pause it and grab your Bible, come on back and unpause it so you can see for yourself what we're going to talk about uh, in the Word of God today. So starting off uh, right into Scripture here, we're going to start in the book of Ephesians. And we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to look in verse number 10. So that's going to be Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and then the power of his might. Underline strong. If you've got a a pen or a highlighter, go ahead and underline that word strong there. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Okay. What I want to talk about today is how to fight spiritual battles. All right. How do we fight spiritual battles? We can see in verse number 12 that things that happen around us and, and, and situations that we find ourselves in, it isn't always something that has to do with the physical world. There are spiritual battles that take place around us. We also have to recognize as well that not everything, every situation we find ourselves in has to do with something that happens in the spiritual world. So it kind of goes both ways. And I want to talk specifically about how to fight actual spiritual battles. But before you can fight a spiritual battle, first I want to share a little bit of a foundation so you can know how or, or understand how would I know when I'm actually in a spiritual battle. Because after all, right, we all are guided by, by, by different, um, different voices, if you will, right? We would be, we can be guided by God's voice. We can be guided by the devil's voice and we can guided, be guided by our own voice. And not everything that happens um, uh, that we don't approve of or not every single negative situation that happens is necessarily because, you know, the devil influenced you to do something, you know? Uh, I may go and, you know, buy a gadget or something like that um, that I like and uh, some sort of electronic equipment and it may not work the way that it, it's it's supposed to work and it may give me a headache and, and and become more frustrating than it than I originally thought when I bought it that doesn't mean that the devil influenced me to buy that that gadget it could simply be that I just didn't go to God to ask him whether or not I should buy that gadget 
Or maybe he told me that, Brandon, yeah, you shouldn't buy that. And maybe I just ignored him and, and just decided to go ahead and do it anyway. So it doesn't necessarily mean that it was a spiritual battle. It's just simply that I chose to go ahead and buy it. So what are some things that can happen in our lives that might be evidence that we are in a spiritual battle? Well, one of the things that can happen that can tell you that you're in a spiritual battle is if you have constant unexpected um, uh, expenditures, right? And what I mean by that is you try to save some money and every time you try to save money, that money just slips through your fingers because now you've got to go pay for some other emergency event that took place. I get to put down some money today and I'm going to have some savings and then come tomorrow next, you know, the car needs a major repair. Or, or, or the house needs a major repair. The roof is leaking. Now I got to get the roof repaired. And when I thought I was going to be able to save that money and use it for something else, I have to use it for an emergency situation. If you're finding yourself in that boat where every single time you're trying to hold on to money and it just keeps slipping through your fingers because some other uh, um, uh, event has taken place where you have to spend money to get something fixed, that's a chance there. There's a chance there that you might be in the midst of a spiritual battle. A lost passion for having a relationship with God is also an example or an indicator that you might be in a spiritual battle. And the way that shows up is that, you know, you stop talking to God, you stop praying to him, you stop reading the Bible, you stop going to church. Right? For, I think for, for the most part across the nation, you know, COVID lockdowns are, are, are pretty much over with and, and churches are, are, are open back up. So were you so comfortable at, at doing church from home that now you just say, I don't even want to actually go back into church? Or even if you go to church, maybe during the time of praise and worship or during the time of, of, of the message, your mind is focused on other things versus what's actually being preached or versus being uh, making that one-on-one -on -one connection with God during praise and worship. If that's something that's happening to you, there's a chance there that you might be in the midst of a spiritual battle. Inexplicable and unexplained or un unexpected, excuse me, inexplicable and unexpected health issues. Have you ever gone to the doctor over something that's going on and you've gone over and over again and doctors keep telling you all the tests are negative, everything seems fine, you're perfectly healthy, but for whatever reason, you're just not feeling right or you've got, you know, this ache here and then you got this ache that pops up and, and, and the next thing you know, you've got a stuffy nose. And I'm not talking about like a common cold or, or, or something to that effect. I'm talking a, a, a constant, uh, uh, a constant ailment that just is popping up out of the blue. And, and when one of them goes away, another one comes up. And then when that one goes away, something else comes up. All these things start hitting you at once and it just doesn't make any sense. Or catastrophic health uh, events that, that just randomly pop up out of the blue. If that's happening to you, there's a chance that you might be in the middle of a, of a spiritual, of a spiritual uh, battle. The last one I'm gonna give you is constant fatigue, okay? Constant fatigue. I'm not talking about the fatigue that you would feel if you're you know, constantly traveling, let's say East Coast to West Coast and vice versa, where you're crossing a bunch of time zones and jet lag sets, sets in. I'm talking about tiredness for no reason whatsoever. You didn't do a hard workout. You didn't go on this long hike. You didn't have a, a, a taxing day mentally at work, but you're constantly waking up tired. No matter what time you go to sleep and no matter what time you wake up, you're always feeling tired, okay? There is a spirit of slumber out there that will kick in every single time you go to pick up your Bible. Okay? It's amazing how we can sit up, we can watch some TV shows and movies to all hours of the night, 
But then as soon as you start thinking about cracking open your Bible or praying, all of a sudden you start to feel sleepy and you start to feel tired. Maybe you lay down and you start to pray and the next thing you know, you're out like a light. But any other thing, any other activity you're involved in, you're not tired. But when it comes down to the things of God, you start to get sleepy. Sunday morning rolls around and as you get closer and closer to getting to church, you're starting to feel tired. As you get closer and closer to praise and worship, you're starting to feel tired. You're sitting down and and, and, and then you just can't focus and you're just tired and you just want to go home. If you're constantly feeling those kind of things, that's a, that there's a chance there that you could be involved in a spiritual in a spiritual battle. Now, there's all sorts of other ways to, to know whether or not you're in a spiritual battle. And I can keep you here, you know, all day long and, and, and I'm not going to do that. There's all sorts of things that are going on. But those are some of the common ones that, that we as children of God come across in our lives. OK, and those could be instances and those could be indicators that we are, are in a spiritual battle. But before <clears throat> but before we actually go into the spiritual battle, if we think that we are in, in the midst of this battle before we actually go to battle, we must first seek Holy Spirit. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. And we're going to go to verse number five. Okay. So now that once I've identified that I might be in actual spiritual battle and it's time to go into the battle, or I might be in the midst of spiritual warfare and now I'm ready to actually engage in the battle, I first need to seek out Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, verse number five. But now I go away to him, uh, to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when, we, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe me, of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. For he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said, therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. OK, so what Jesus is saying is telling his disciples here is that he can't stick around because he still has some work to do. OK, and, and, and part of that work is that he's going to be crucified and he's going to be resurrected. But when he gets resurrected, then he's going to send the Holy Spirit to his disciples. OK. So we know that as children of God, once we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we get then gain access to only not only God the Father, but Holy Spirit as well. And Holy Spirit will be able to guide us in all truth. In verse 7, he says, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. So this helper, this is Holy Spirit. So we need Holy Spirit when we go into, into spiritual battles because he is there to actually help us. He is there to guide us down in verse number 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, again, this is talking about Holy Spirit has come. He will guide you into all truth for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. So when you go into that spiritual battle, you've got Holy Spirit there. Not only is he going to be there to help you, but he's also going to be able to guide you and give you insights into things that you don't even know about. Okay. 
That's how that spirit of discernment works. Being able to see into, into I don't want to say see, see into the future because that, that's, that would imply that, that we're using, that, that, that's more of a witchcraft kind of thing when you're trying to see into the future and you're doing palm reading and, and, and things of that nature. But what Holy Spirit will do is he will give you an inkling of some things that could potentially be coming up. That way you're prepared and you're not, and you're not caught off guard. So we need Holy Spirit to be able to understand truth, uh, to be able to know when we're being lied to and to be able to receive help as we go into spiritual battle. He will show us things that are below the surface of what we see. We've all probably have seen in, in, in some fashion or other have seen um, uh, like the, the iceberg. And, and I think this usually comes up in like psychology classes when it talks about, you know, above the surface of the water. When you see this iceberg, you, you only see a little bit of, of, of what's actually going on in a person's life. But if you go beneath the surface, that's where you see this giant iceberg. And then you just realize you realize just how big things are. Well, with Holy Spirit, he will show us what's beneath the surface of the water. He will show us exactly how big that iceberg is so we know how to so we know how to proceed forward, okay? So now, I believe that I'm in a spiritual war. I've seek I sought out Holy Spirit for guidance and now I'm ready to actually go into war. How do I utilize and what are the weapons of warfare that I should be using in the spiritual battle? Well, we're going to go back to the book of Ephesians and we're going to go back to Ephesians uh, chapter 6. And we're going to go to verse number 14. So that's back to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 6. And we're going to go to verse number 14. Okay. So we're going to pick up where we're going to pick up where we left off. Ephesians 6, verse 14. Actually, let's go back to verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. If you don't have the word whole armor, the words whole armor underlined, go ahead and underline those because this is saying the whole armor. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change, chains that in it I may I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So we're so looking there in, in verse 14, we see the whole we see the armor of God. All right. So our weapons of warfare, and we know the word of God says that the weapons of warfare are not are not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Okay. So that again implies that there are spiritual battles that are around us. And you cannot fight the spiritual battle with the things of man. You cannot fight a spiritual battle with the things of man. So we have to fight spiritual battle with spiritual things. So the weapons that we have to, 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 to utilize is the armor of God. So let's look at each piece of the armor and let's talk about why is it set up that way and then how do I actually use it? Because if I'm going into the spiritual battle, I have to know not only what weapons are available to me, but I also need to know how to utilize the weapons that are, that are available to me. Okay. So verse 14 Standing, therefore, having girded your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. 
a girdle is designed to help uh, uh, to help uh, you, you put it around around your midsection, and it actually will help with 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 your posture. So it actually help you to stand up a little bit, a little bit taller. Okay, um, it's actually really good for for folks that might have some lower back pain as well. It's proven to help correct your any lower back issues, so you can be in less pain. So the reason why this the, the this this around our waist we need to have truth is because we need to have truth to be able to stand tall in the things of God. Okay. What happens is, is when you, if you don't know what truth is and you're not sure, you're like, I'm hearing this and I'm hearing this and I'm hearing that and I don't know what the truth is, you then become unsure of yourself. You don't have the confidence to be able to proceed forward. And so therefore, you can't stand tall and bold because you don't know what the truth is and you don't have any truth to kind of back you up. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So now if I understand that, then I can say, okay. If I'm ever lost, I can go to Jesus. Boom, that's the truth. I can gird that to my waist. He is the truth. Ah, so that means if anyone lies to me, I can go to Jesus and find out what the truth is. Bang, that's another truth that I can gird towards my waist. He is the life. So how do I gain salvation? Ah, I got to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Boom, there's another truth to gird around your waist. And then I cannot access God the Father without Jesus Christ. Meaning that all the lies that might be out there about all religions lead to God and all religions lead to heaven, that's not true. Bang, there's another truth that I can gird to, to my waist. So now as I have that girded to my waist, now I can start to stand stand tall and I can start to stand upright in righteousness, not in pride, all right, not in pride, but in righteousness, knowing that I know the truth. So now when somebody comes to me with a lie, I can combat that with confidence because I know what the actual truth is. Okay. A girdle, like I said, it helps with your posture and you can't have good posture if you don't know the truth. Therefore, your spiritual posture won't be good without having that truth around and girded to your waist. Okay. So how do I use the truth? Well, as I said earlier, seek Holy Spirit before you enter into a battle. You should also seek Holy Spirit before you open your Bible. You should seek Holy Spirit before you open your Bible. The reason why the, not, the, the unbeliever doesn't understand the Bible is because they approach it as a novel. They pick up a page and they start reading it through from the beginning to the end, and they don't understand how the scriptures connect. They don't understand some of the deeper meanings behind what scripture is talking about. The only way to get that understanding is through Holy Spirit. Okay, It was, uh, it was Paul, I believe, was that talked about it in the New Testament, that, that it's Holy Spirit that actually does the teaching. So even though a man may be giving you the words, even though that I'm here uh, I'm preaching to you and I'm telling you and showing you things that are in the Bible, the understanding doesn't come from me. The understanding comes from Holy Spirit that is in you. And as long as I am preaching the message that Holy Spirit wants me to preach, it will resonate in your spirit if you're listening to Holy Spirit as well. Okay, so you need to have Holy Spirit before you go, even before you crack open your Bible. If you have an owner's manual. Say your refrigerator is, 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 acting, is acting up and you're not sure what the issue is and you go, you pick up that owner's manual to, to, to look in it and try to troubleshoot. You don't pick up the owner's manual and just read from the beginning to the end. You go to the table of contents to find which section you need to focus on. Well, Holy Spirit is like a table of contents, if you will, in our Bibles. When you got a situation going on in your life, you can go to Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit can tell you this is where in the word of God you will find the scriptures that you need to be successful. So don't open your Bible without 
going to Holy Spirit first so you can actually hear from him. The breastplate of righteousness. Okay. Righteousness is in our hearts. Okay? Righteousness is in our hearts. The reason why God destroyed the earth in the flood with Noah and saved Noah and his family was because he saw how evil mankind was. Ever since uh, Adam and Eve introduced sin into the world by, by, by being disobedient to God in, in the Garden of Eden, mankind was born with this, this, this with, with the sinful nature. Okay? Meaning that the only way that we can obtain salvation and be saved was through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mankind by itself, absent Jesus, has shown over the end, you can look at scripture, has shown constantly that by, without Jesus, mankind is doomed. Okay, Mankind is doomed. We see it even now. You can put every single law that you want on the books. You can put every, whatever law you want. You can write any policy that you want. As human beings, we will take those laws and we will figure out how to, how to make them only apply for situations that benefit us. Okay? It's okay to steal. It's okay that this person went into that store and, and stole all those clothes. They're homeless. They don't have a place to live. All they want is some dry clothes. All they want is some clothes that fit. All they want is some clothing that's that, that that's comfortable. Well, the word of God says, thou shalt not steal. But what we do as mankind is we make justification, we make justification for it based off of situations. Okay? So that's why we need Jesus Christ in our lives to be able to, 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 to allow us to have access to Holy Spirit so he can tell us when we sin. Then we can go to God the Father in the name of Jesus and ask for forgiveness and then know that we are forgiven. Okay? So righteousness has to be in our heart. A good way to utilize righteousness is to look at how you treat people. How do you treat people? It's easy to treat somebody very well that's in a position of power or authority. Well, that's really important. But what about someone that might not be important? Okay. How do you treat the hostess at the restaurant that is just responsible for finding you a table? How do you treat that person compared to how you treat the waitress? It's easy to treat the waitress nice, right? Because she's bringing your food and you open, you know, there's no hairs and stuff like that and not spitting in your food. And some of those horror stories that you heard about what's happened to people's food uh, when, it, when they've been brought to them in the restaurant. So it's easy to treat that waitress nicely. It's easy for that waitress to treat a customer nicely that's treating them nicely. But if you're a waitress, how do you treat the customer that's on your case because their food hasn't come out in five minutes. Meanwhile, they ordered this ginormous meal that's gonna take 15 minutes to cook and it's not out in five minutes. How do you treat them if they start treating you in a way that you don't approve of? And if you're the one that your food, you're still waiting for your food, how do you treat that waitress while you're waiting for the food? How do you treat the hostess when the hostess comes and sits you down? Or do you only treat certain people better than others? That's not how God would want us to act. How do you treat people on the job that are wronging you constantly? How do you treat that family member that always wants to talk about you behind your back? How do you treat a colleague at work that isn't doing what you think they should do the way that they would do it? Because maybe you two were raised differently and your approach to work is totally different than theirs. Do you treat them differently because they're not doing it the way you think they should do it? That they're not showing up to work when you think they should be there or they're not dressing a certain way or they're not speaking a certain way. Okay. How do you treat people? 
So the way you can use righteousness is to make sure that you're treating people the way God wants you to treat them, not the way the world will want you to treat them. The Bible says, do not repay evil with evil. Somebody treats you evilly. Don't repay them with that. Forgive them. Whether they ask for forgiveness or not, forgive them and treat them the way that God will want you to treat them. Verse 15 says, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So there's another piece of armor there. The having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So why is, is, is peace on my feet? It's because fear stops us from moving forward. Fear will stop us from taking the necessary step in the direction that we need to go. Because we don't know what's going to happen when I take that step. I don't know the outcome if I go here. I don't know what's going to happen down the line. I don't know what's waiting for me around the corner. So we don't take that step because fear is what hold, holds us back. Okay. Procrastination is also linked to fear. I procrastinate because I don't know what the outcome is going to be. Or I feel like the outcome is not going to be something that I, that I desire. So I'm not going to take a step forward. I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to stay inside my comfort zone. Because while I may, I may not like where I am, at least I know what to expect. And if I know what to expect, I can be prepared. But fear comes in when I don't know what to expect. We have to have peace around us. We have to have peace on our feet and knowing that, that a righteous man may plan his way. But it's God who orders his steps. So if I'm a child of God and I'm allowing God to order my steps, then I should be able to step out in peace knowing that all things work together for good for those that are called according to God's purpose. And I'm paraphrasing Romans 8.28, okay? All things will work together for good for those that love the Lord, the called according to his purpose. So if I'm called according to his purpose, then I should be at peace knowing that whatever is coming my way, whatever step I take, as long as it's the step God wants me to take, I'm going to be A-okay. I'm going to be A-okay. God is our general. And if he calls you to a battle, you will be victorious. God will never, ever, ever put us in a situation where we fail, where we will fail. If we lose a battle, it's because we got distracted by something that the enemy put in front of us. It's not because of God. God didn't tell you to take that step for you to fail. God didn't take you, tell you to take that step because you're going to be unsuccessful. He's telling you to take that step because he has bigger plans for your life than you could even imagine. Bigger plans than you can even imagine. So if we know that, then we should be able to step forward knowing that God's got my back. And even if the ground I step on is a little bit shaky because it's because the enemy is coming and coming uh, is coming at me and I'm coming under attack, even though I might have a hard time standing at the end of the day. What I have to do is just be solid in God's purpose for my life, understanding what God's purpose is in my life and stepping out in faith and doing what he wants me to do. Because even though I took God's step and I'm getting hit by the enemy, it's preparing me for something bigger and greater later on down the line. And it's hard for us to see that. So we've got to be, be, be intentional about understanding that we will be successful. We will achieve. We will be victorious only if we are doing what God is calling us to do.
And like I said, we, we, we only lose battles because we get distracted by something that the enemy put in front of us. Because whatever God has given you, he's already given it to you. God's already said it's been done. The devil can't take something from you that belongs to you. Why? Because God gave it to you. The devil does not have the power to remove that from your life, what God has put in there. Okay? He can't remove the blessing that God gave you. We can, however, cast it aside. And what the devil does is he'll put these little distractions in your place. You're not good enough for that job. So don't apply for it. You're not good enough for this. You're not good enough for that. So don't move forward. You're going to fail. Because remember when you failed last time? Remember 10 years ago when you failed? You'll fail again. So don't even bother to do it. And 10 years ago, you were a Christian. You were a Christian 10 years ago. You said God had your back 10 years ago, but you failed. Don't pursue it again because God's not going to be there for you. And the reality of it is you look back 10 years ago, you didn't fail at all. You were victorious. You may have stumbled along the way. You may have slipped along the way. You may have had some struggles that, 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 that God didn't have intended for you to have because maybe you did your own thing, but you were victorious because you got that blessing. So don't let the devil distract you from the path that God is putting you on. Uh, verse number, verse number 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. If you don't have all the fiery darts of the, uh, um, of the wicked one underlined in verse 16, underline that because this shows us that that shield of faith will stop every single attack that the devil has against us. Every single one. Okay. Now, why is it a shield of faith? Why not a helmet of faith? Why not feet of faith? Why is it a shield of faith? Because faith is what started us on this journey with God in the first place. Faith is what drew us to Jesus Christ. Because none of us have ever met Jesus. None of us have talked to Jesus face to face. But we know that Jesus is alive. We know that Jesus is the son of God. We know that he was crucified. We know that he rose uh, again. We know that he sits at the right hand of the father. Why? Because of our faith. We know we will be victorious because of our faith. Our faith is the thing that is constantly under attack. So by having a shield, it allows us to be able to come against all of those attacks, regardless of which direction that they're coming from. The shield is a mobile defensive um, piece of armor that can also be utilized as a weapon. A shield can also be utilized as an offensive weapon if needed. But see, the thing about the shield is that when your faith starts to come under attack, you can hold up that shield of faith and you can still stand firm against those attacks. If the attack is coming in front of you, bang, you can put up that shield of faith. If the attack is coming from behind you, boom, you can put up the shield of faith and block it, and block it behind you. You may not even know what scripture to use yet, but having faith and knowing that God is going to deliver you can do a lot of good in your life. It can bring about a lot of peace. So when somebody's coming at you, whether it's the devil whispering something in your ear or working through another individual telling you that you won't be successful, boom, put up that shield of faith and say, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. For it is written that no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. There's your shield of faith right there. Okay. That's why it's a, it's a, it's a shield of faith. When you think God doesn't hear you, 
your faith is under attack. When you think you're going to fail, your faith is under attack. When you think you won't be healed of your infirmity, your faith is under attack. When you think you won't get that job that you've been praying so hard for, and you won't be delivered out of that situation that you've been in for such a long time, your faith is under attack. So how do I use that shield of faith? An easy way to use that shield of faith is to take an inventory of your past trials that God has delivered you from. Make a list of all those trials. Make a list of what God actually did to get you out of that and meditate on that. Think on those things. And also remember Romans 8.28 that I talked about earlier. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. So remember that, okay? Remember that when your faith is, is, is shaken, when you're not sure if God really is really there. Remember the times before in your life when you thought God wasn't there and he was there, okay? Go back over your life. It doesn't matter how long you were walking with God, if you're a, 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 a baby Christian or you've been walking with the Lord for your, your entire life, as long as you can remember. You can go back and you can see when God had his hands on you. I can see when God had his hands on me at times that I thought that he wasn't even there. And yes, there have been times when I thought God wasn't there. Every single child of God at some point feels that because the devil will put that little thought into your head. But the key is to remember the victories that you had in the past. It's no different than any other job in any in any job. When you go apply for a job, you submit your resume somewhere on your resume or either or, or through the interview process. You start talking about your accomplishments. You get asked these questions about how are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? You come across this problem. How are you going to deal with it? And it's based off of your experience of what you've done before and have had success with. That's why you're moving forward and seeking a new opportunity. Well, don't forget those victories you had when God was, was, was with you and he delivered you. Remember those so that you can move forward in him and seek out those opportunities that he's putting in front of you. Verse number 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The helmet of salvation. The devil will try to get you to think that you're not saved. So the helmet of salvation goes on our head because it's there to protect us from those thoughts that we are not saved. No child of God is perfect. I don't care how long you've been a, been, been, been a Christian. No child of God is perfect. The only one that ever walked this earth that was perfect was Jesus Christ himself. We all slip. We all make mistakes. When you make that mistake, when you slip and stumble, when you turn away from God, the devil is going to be right there saying, huh, look at you. You call yourself a Christian. And when you repent, he's going to be right there again saying, he didn't forgive you. He doesn't. He didn't forgive you. He didn't even hear you. You want to know how I didn't hear you? Because you've been praying about this thing for 15 years and it still hasn't come to pass. God does not hear you. That's what the devil will tell you. If he can play on your mind and trick you in your mind to make you think something outside what the word of God says, then he's got you beat. Then he's got you beat. So that helmet of salvation is we, we have to protect our minds in knowing that salvation is not about what we know up here in our heads. 
Salvation is what we believe in our spirit. Salvation is based off of faith and having faith in what the word of God says. That in order for me to be forgiven, all I have to do is accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and repent of my sinful ways. And the Bible also says that God is faithful and just to forgive, which means that no matter how many times I might slip and stumble. Now, don't make a habit of it. Okay. Praise God. Don't make a habit of it. All right. I mean, if you're if you've got this going on constantly, where you're constantly sinning, seek God out. Something else is going on there. But I know that anytime I slip and stumble, I can go to God and I can ask him for forgiveness and he'll forgive me. I don't care what the devil says. There's some children of God that believe that that are afraid of death because they don't believe that they're saved. They think that when they when they die, that they're not even sure if they did enough. This is where people start talking about um, um, using works to get into heaven because they feel like it's it can't it can't be that simple just to accept Jesus Christ. It is that simple. And I'm not going to turn this message into a, a message about salvation. But the reality of it, it is that simple to accept Jesus Christ and your, your Lord and Savior. And you've got a ticket going into heaven. Okay. Don't let the devil try to tell you otherwise. Oh, I lost my place here. Oh, praise the living God. So the helmet of salvation. So how can I use the helmet of salvation in a spiritual battle? John 3, 18 says, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Okay. So the way I use the helmet of salvation is I remember that in order for me to be saved and not be condemned, I have to believe in the name of Jesus. I have to accept him into my life as my personal Lord and Savior. That's how I gain my salvation. And don't forget that. No matter how much you might slip and stumble, no matter what happens in your life, do not let the devil try to think, make you think that you're not saved. The last piece of the armor there in verse 17 um, I'm going to read all 17 for continuity and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The only offensive weapon that's on this, this in this armor is the, is the word of God. Okay. The only offensive weapon. Well, why a sword? Because the sword reminds us that this is a close quarters battle. We just saw in verse number, um, in verse number 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. A sword is used in close proximity to another person. Okay. The devil does not attack you from down the road. If you were to walk down the street and the devil was waiting to get you, he's not going to show up where you're going to see him. He's going to pop out at you, try to surprise you. He's going to try to ambush you. He's going to try to catch you off guard because that's how you get caught up in his trap. Then another, um, uh, uh, where was it there? In verse number, in verse number 11, it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Another word for wiles is trickery. Okay. The devil tries to, tries to trick you. He tries to deceive you. So he's not going to pop out for, at you where you can see him, you know, a hundred yards away, 300 yards away. Okay. He's going to hide in his little bush and try to blend in with the, with, 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 uh, with the scenery, if you will. So that as you're walking along, minding your business, doing whatever you're doing, that you don't see him. And then, boom, he's going to jump out and he's going to attack you. So having that sword of the spirit helps us to remember that when the attack comes, it's going to be up close and personal. Okay. I can't push a button from an office somewhere halfway around the world and send, you know, a, a, a missile to go destroy the devil, if you will. Okay. He's going to pop up at me and I need to be able to use that sword. Okay. 
How do I use the sword? Search scripture to find verses that pertain to your specific situation and use those to combat the enemy. Tell him in the name of Jesus exactly what scripture says. When Jesus was in the desert and he was he, he, he was 40 days in, in, in the desert there on day number 40 as he was on his on his journey. All right. That's when the devil came and tried to tempt him. That's when the devil tried to, to trick him into thinking that you are not the son of God. And what did Jesus do? Three times Jesus hit him with the word of God. Three times he hit him with the word of God. So when you're in your situation, use the word of God against the devil. Okay. And as crazy as this might sound, okay, it's not crazy at all. The same way you talk to God and you say, oh, God, help me with this. Lord, I don't understand this. I need help with this. Lord, God, I love you. I praise you. The way you talk to God like that, like if like if he was face to face with you, you do that to the enemy as well. Now, I'm not saying you get into a conversation with the enemy. You don't do that. But when Jesus rebuked Satan when he was being tempted, he spoke to Satan directly. When Jesus was healing the blind, when Jesus delivered uh, the, the, the demon-possessed man there, he told him, he said, spirits come out of him. He made it a commandment. He didn't ask them. He didn't say, God, can you deliver this person from this from this, this, this ailment? Can you heal this person? Can you feed? He just, he made it a commandment because he had faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. So when the enemy is coming at you, you say to him, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I command you to loose your hold on this situation. I command you in the name of Jesus to cease and desist your attack against my family, against my finances, against my jobs, against my health. In the name of Jesus, for it is written that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That I rebuke that spirit of fear in the name of Jesus, for it is written that I have not received the spirit spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You talk to the enemy directly using the word of God in the name of Jesus and you command him to stop his attacks on you. God has already given us the victory. When Jesus rose from the dead, we already received the victory. The Bible says that he is, that Jesus has given us power to trample on serpents, which means we can step on every single head of the, the enemy has, every single one of his demonic forces. We can trample over them in the name of Jesus. There's no need to ask. This is not something to be polite about. This is something that you command in the name of Jesus and have the faith and in the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you'll see things start to happen in your life. Okay? Then you'll start to see things happen in your life. So that's how you use that's how you use the sword. Remember, it's a close quarters battle and it's not a pretty battle. Going on in, in verse number 18 here in closing, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. The main thing that I wanted to capture there in verse 18, it says being watchful to this end. Okay. We must remain vigilant. Diligent. We must, we, we must continue to, 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 to be watchful because you never know when the enemy might attack. He's going to try to sneak up on you. But this is why we seek Holy Spirit first before we enter into battle. Before we start the fight, we go to Holy Spirit. We seek Him, seek God in the in, in in His Scripture, and then we listen for exactly what it is that He wants us to do. We wait for the orders, and then we respond based off of the orders. Okay. So just take a look around in, in your in your situation, and just see in your life: Are you in the midst of a spiritual battle potentially? And if you're not sure, take it to God and just say, "Lord, I think that there might be a, a spiritual battle going on here." Have your Holy Spirit just, just just open my eyes and reveal to me what battle might be taking place, what it is that I need to do, and just stand by and wait for God's instruction before 
you go and you enter into this spiritual battle. Praise God. Well, I hope this message was a blessing to you. And as we close, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, most awesome, wonderful Lord God, I just want to praise your most magnificent name. And I thank you for the words that you brought here today. I want to pray for everyone that has heard this message, Lord God, that you would strengthen us, Lord God, that you would show us what battles that you might have, that, that we might be in the midst of, Lord God, and that you would speak to us and help us to be able to hear what it is that you're saying to us so that we may proceed accordingly, according to your, to, to, to your words, Lord God, that we step forward in faith, Lord, and that we step into whatever battles that we might be in, having faith in you and in your, and in your power, knowing that we will be victorious in the battle. Lord God, I pray that you would continue to watch over us, continue to continue to keep us safe. And Lord God, I ask that you would just continue to speak to our hearts and help us to continue to be able to listen to you, Lord God. These things we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Well, if this message was a blessing to you, uh, feel free to send it off to any friends, family, or loved ones or anyone that might be uh, giving you a hard time. We can be reached at Genesis 1, that's one word, dot sermon dot net. And on the top right hand corner, if you click on the subscribe button, you will be able to receive notifications anytime uh, new podcasts and content are posted to our website. We're also on YouTube under Genesis One. Uh, if you search Genesis One Christian Ministries uh, in YouTube, you will be able to find these out there as well. And then we also have apps on the Google Store, uh, on the Apple Store and on the Google Play Store, all free for download. Uh, we just want to make the word of God available to everyone um, as easy as possible and, and, and as many platforms as possible. So praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. Go forth, go ahead and conquer, do great things in the name of Jesus. And remember that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Praise God. And I sing praises to you.